You're listening to an Axe Church sermon. Axe Church Northwest is located in Vancouver, Washington. We meet each Sunday with two services, one at 9 a.m. and one at 11 a.m. If this is your first time listening, welcome. We hope you enjoy. Want to know more about us? You can check us out online at www.axecamus.org. Okay, here's the sermon. We hope God blesses you through it. So when David was in high school, he was getting to the age where he was old enough to drive. And uh, that was one good step, but that wasn't good enough. He wanted to have his own car because that gives lots of freedom. So he uh, started looking for a car, and a friend of his said, hey, there's a car up there you ought to take a look at. So he went up to the spot, and there was this Chevette, not Corvette, Chevette. And you could shove it anywhere you wanted to because that... But it didn't drive, but you, but you could shove it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He uh, wanted it really bad, and I said, I don't think you want that car. They're not known as the greatest cars. Uh, but you know, Dad knows nothing, and he wanted it pretty badly. So we bought the car, and first thing we had to do is go take Dad to get some tires, and they're putting tires on to go, yeah, they, you don't have any back shocks. No shocks on the car. Just riding on the on the base of the car, so I'd put shocks in it, and the list goes on and on and on. That car was a piece of junk. And being a teenage kid, he drove it and he drove it hard, uh, which, well, maybe some teenage kids don't do, but he must have had my blood in him because he drove it hard. <laughs> he drove it till you know he just drove the tar out of it. And then he gave it to his brother. Such a nice thing to do. Give a piece of junk to your brother. And I think I finally found where it ended up. Uh, I think this lady bought that car. Uh, Here's her testimony about that. I had a Chevette. Honey, you'll know there's a God if you ever drive a Chevette. You know what I mean? Anybody have a junker like that? 180-something thousand miles on this Chevette. It was pitiful. The driver's side was wired shut with a coat hanger. Isn't that precious? Do you know how it is if you're about 20-something years old trying to live life on your own, heading down the interstate trying to be cool, and your door falls off? It's the most humiliating thing. You have to stop, get your door, put it in the hatchback. Head down the road, you know, your clothes blowing out the wind. and It's just, it's embarrassing. We, we, you couldn't use the passenger side. We had it all taped up with duct tape. Because if you touched it, the window would fall off the track and go down into the door somewhere. And you'd have to take the whole panel off. You know, follow with me, men. You take the panel off and roll it up real, real carefully until you get in. So we put a do not disturb sign on the passenger side so nobody would touch it. You just had to come in and out the hatchback all the time. Which is hard to do in a dress. Going to church on Sunday. Just precious. We lost the gear shift knob. I don't know whatever happened to it. We had a potato stuck on there. <laughs> you know, it's just pitiful. No heating and air conditioning in that car. That would have been a luxury for heaven's sakes. It had an AM radio on the redeeming value of the whole car. And it had a windshield wiper. <laughs> and it would work like once every four months, whether it was raining or not. <laughs> you know, so you head down the road and you'd hear this... 
Chevette. It was a pile of junk. I mean, and I'm not trying to be offensive to the whole Chevrolet industry, but I just had a lemon. It, it was pitiful. The lining would fall down and hit you in the head. When you're riding down the road, you'd think somebody was in the car. You know, it, it's scary. It was terrible. It was just awful, awful car. So that takes us to our scripture today. <laughs> Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So David wants to have a piece of junk, so he gave it to his brother. No. <laughs> Didn't work out exactly that way, did it? This is a very uh, interesting verse. Actually, it's a little more expanded on in Luke chapter 6. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. <clears throat> he goes on to explain something that I never understood as a kid. When I was growing up, it was do unto others as you have others do to you. And uh, that seemed very simple. So in my interpretation, that was I'll do good things to other people, nice things to other people, <clears throat> and they'll do nice things back. But you know, that's not exactly what the scripture says. It doesn't say that they'll do things good to you if you do good things to them. It says to do good <clears throat> to them, even if they're your enemy. Even if they're not your, your, on your side, even if they hate you, even if they don't like you, do good to them. Don't expect that they're going to return that. That, that'd be, you know, a sign of insanity. If you believe somebody who hates you is going to do something good because you do something good to them, that, that doesn't work. But that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're not supposed to be set up so that we are the ones are receiving it. But as a kid, you know, I was a little self-centered maybe. I was always hoping, what, what do I get out of this? If I, if I do something good, that means somebody else is going to do something good to me. Okay, then I'll, I'll do something good. But I had it all wrong. It's that you do good even without the expectation of getting anything back. In fact, you could have the expectation that they're going to do something terribly back to you. That, that, that could happen. God shows us what he means by that. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, but God demonstrated his love towards us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us when we were still sinners. And, you know, he knew not everybody would accept that sacrifice. He gave his life knowing that there will be people who don't accept that sacrifice. But for the love that he had, he died. And he would have died if only one person would accept him. Even if one. And even if none, he still would have died. That's an interesting thought. He loves us, so he gave. God so loved the world that he gave. 
a lot of people I talk to over the years, they find out I'm a pastor. It's very interesting, different responses from different people when they find out you're a pastor. I was out playing golf, and a friend of mine, and a third person came along and said, can I join you? I said, sure. We said, sure. So uh, they played together, and I played the whole course. I want to get my money's worth after all. Why well, only do three hits to the green when you can do 12, you know? So I'm all over the course, and they're there waiting for me to get there. So while they're waiting for me to come, they're carrying on a conversation. The guy says, what do you do? He says, well, I'm, I'm a, uh, I work with youth, juvenile youth. He says, and what does your buddy do? He's a pastor. Well, for the first four holes, he was just swearing up a storm, you know, just going out, just what came natural to him, but he, he was swearing. And uh, so when I got up to the hole, he said, hey, he says, uh, I, have a, I have a friend who's a pastor. Uh, where's this coming from? First of all, how do you know I'm a pastor? And second of all, why are you tell me you know somebody's a pastor? He was embarrassed that he'd been swearing. All of a sudden, he wanted to change his whole behavior because I was there. And I, and I thought, you know what? Just be who you are. Because God loves you for who you are. You're not fooling him. If you try to be something that you're not, you don't fool God. And uh, people are kind of that way. And, they, and what, they'll say something like, you know, someday I'm going to go to church. I just need to get my life together. I just need to get, you know, a few things taken care of first. If I showed up at your church, the roof would cave in. And I always say to them, try it. I'll trust the beams will hold. You know, I'm not worried about the roof caving if you show up. And neither is God. It's very interesting that people think they have to clean themselves up before they come to God. God loved us in that why we were still impure, when we still fall short of his glory. Here's the thing. You'll never get to the place where you are as holy as God is when you don't know him. It's impossible. So you're never going to get to church on that basis. But God loves us for who we are, just where we are. That's, that's the cool thing. And he gives to us he gives to us his life. Jesus gave his life. Do unto others, do unto others the good things that you should be doing. Don't worry about what the reaction is. Don't worry about what the consequences that they have, what they do. Their response is not based on you and what you do. That's a lot harder. That's certainly not the way the world works it, Right? is, you know, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I'm going to, you hit me, I'll hit you back twice as hard. Uh, I, I used to play basketball, believe it or not. And uh, get, there's this one guy we'd play, and if you fouled him, you know, it could be totally accidental. You fouled him. The next time down the court, he'd lay you out on the floor. And boom! I said, what's your problem? He says, I'm from the Middle East, and you do something to me, I'm going to do something worse back to you. I said, well, we're from here. That's not how we behave. It didn't work. I mean, 
That's not, <laughs> he didn't respond well. But there is that sense that you do something to me and I'm going to get you back. Revenge. There is, there's a, this something in us that we're not going to be taken advantage of. And, and this verse goes in total opposite of that. Upside down is the series, right? What's upside down? The upside down part is do good, you expect good back. And if somebody does bad to you, then do bad back to them. That's not what God says to do. He says to do good, it doesn't matter what their response is. You just do what's right. Now, generating that is very difficult because it's not natural. If somebody comes and kicks you in the shins, the natural reaction is to react to that. You know, I wish my reaction was always a spiritual one. But, it, but uh, my reaction is, a, is something you don't even, it's a response that sometimes you don't even think about. When somebody flies around me, cuts me off, my first response is, have a great day. <laughs> I'm glad I could let you in. I hope you're happy now. I'm happy. Are you happy? Our natural reaction isn't that kind of thing. It's not. Now, my wife, she's one of these people that has a, a, a wonderful heart, warm heart, doesn't see that there's possibly any evil in anybody. She says, well, maybe they just didn't realize that, the, the, that it was, they needed to get in. I said, honey, there's signs back there for over a mile, lane ends. <laughs> Everybody's been merging over, and they come flying by me. And you're going to say, they didn't know? So I said, well, how do you know? I know because I would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> you can see your own faults to other people sometimes, can you not? Man. That's what I wanted. I wanted to go over there and get past all these cars. I know what, the, what this intent is. But you know what? If we were to back off all that and think in terms of I'm going to do good to others because I want grace, I'm going to give grace. You know? I'm often, uh, people often wonder about my choice of people that I, that I befriend. I've been trained to some people that are what we call irregular, who uh, aren't, aren't uh, sociably accepted a lot of times. And uh, I befriend them and try to work with them as Jesus would. And they'll do things that are not good. And I've had people say, why do you keep spending time with that person? All they've ever done over and over again is betray you. You know why? Because I want somebody to treat me with grace and love. Even if I didn't treat them well, I'd, I'd like for them to give grace. I think in terms of, you know, God died for me when I 
I wasn't wonderful. God died for me. Offering grace because we want to receive grace. And I need grace. I really do. Now, when David was in... When David was in the first grade, he was doing spelling. And you, you would say the word, use it in a sentence, and then spell it. And so Denise said to David, grace. He said, grace. I dance with grace, G-R-A-C-E. And Daniel, two years younger, says, you don't even know grace. She's in my class. I love kids. But if you want grace, then you ought to give grace. You know? Because that's what you want. And see, God knows how he built us. He knows that we are by nature self-centered. We don't think of ourselves as self-centered. But if I ask your opinion, you're going to give me your opinion. If I ask for an opinion, you're going to give me your opinion. Right? We're self-centered. We can't help it. That's the way we're based. So I love it that Jesus uses that to tell us, just do what you want. Just treat others like you want to be treated. But there's a tag to that. And don't expect, expect anything in return. Because usually we do, you know. You, you say, I said hi to them, and they didn't say hi back. That was not nice. I did this for them, and they, and they did. Ungrateful? I sent them a card. Why didn't they send me a card? We, we have this expectation. And what Jesus basically says, drop that. That's self-centered. That's like, I'm doing this, and then I know I'm going to get something back. That's not the way we do things. We give to others based on how we would like to be treated. You know? That's why I give pies, cakes, Strawberry shortcake with lots of whipped cream. You see, we, 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 we find out what we enjoy and we treat others that way. God knows. God knows that that doesn't come natural for us. It's not the easiest thing to do. Especially with people that don't like us or do harm to us. You know, I just took a key and I keyed your car. Well, good, I'll send you some cookies and... <laughs> you know what it says? You heap coals of hot, hot coals on their head. <laughs> and, you know, I always thought, okay, good, they're going to get... If they do that and I do something good back, God's going to put hot coals on their head. I didn't understand how that worked. You see, back in the ancient days, 
They didn't have gas stoves or electric stoves. Believe it or not, they didn't have it. And they cooked by using coals, heat. I almost fell in, David. And so if you were out and your coals went out, you have no, nothing to cook with. You go to your neighbor and they would take some hot coals and put it on a platter and you would put it on your head and carry it back. So what it's really saying is you're going to do something nice for them. The heaping of hot coals was an act of charity, an act of giving. It puts a whole different light on the revenge aspect. I told you, we want revenge a lot of times. That's not what God's plan. So, if we treat other people like we want to be treated without any expectation, and we treat them nice even when they're not nice to us. I had one time, I uh, made a mistake and I didn't look and I pulled over into the next lane and a honking horn and everything else pulled back over and we got up to the signal and the guy rolled down his window and he started just screaming and hollering and everything else. I said, you know, I said, I'm totally sorry. I was totally wrong. I didn't see you. Please accept my apology. True story. He ran through the red light. Did not know how to handle that response. He was expecting me to yell back. You know? Didn't know what to do when somebody actually treated him with kindness. So it's an amazing thing. Doing to others. Now, generating that in my own strength and in my own will, that's tough. Because it's not my first reaction. I act out of the self-centeredness, that, that nature that we have, that we're born with, that self-centered nature. But God has a different nature totally. You read about that in Galatians chapter 5. It says our self-nature, our, our sin nature, our self-centeredness fights against the spirit nature. And they're contrary to one another. And the, and the self-centered nature produces all these things, all these evil things. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, etc. So if you're acting out of your self-centeredness, it's all about me and mine and my rights. When you act out of the Spirit, it's about loving people not seeing the wrongs, giving forgiveness, and all those things. That's the natural part of the Spirit. That's the nature of the Spirit. Now, I've pretty well proven that I don't have good self-discipline. I've been on a diet for 35 years. I've been on a diet for 35 years. <laughs> Seems like. And I, I'm doing pretty good. And then Denise will start cooking, baking cookies. She's going to take to somebody else. It wasn't planned for me. She knows I'm on a diet. But she has this thing that she has to do nice things for other people. And so she'll be baking cookies. 
and the fresh baked cookies will come out on the counter. And the, the smell of those cookies will look for me until it finds me. <laughs> then it'll grab a hold of me and pull me all the way into where those fresh cookies are. And just as they're starting to cool and they're still uh, warm and they're still soft. <laughs> if I relied on my will, I'm going to mess up. Just the way it works. If I try to force myself to do things that don't come natural for me, they're unnatural. And when it comes to this verse, you can't do it from a self-centeredness. You have to do it from the Spirit. i got to pray that the Spirit of God is the one who's leading, who directs, who becomes a natural response of the Spirit to do good. If we try to force ourselves to be good, we may or may not be successful. But if we're allowing the Spirit, it becomes as a natural response. I'd rather respond naturally than force unnatural. Just a whole lot easier. For instance, people are creatures of habit. In church, you'll usually find people have a spot that they like to sit. Have you ever noticed that? And if somebody happens to get to their spot before they do, they're kind of like lost. Now, now where am I going to sit? I don't know what to do. So you have these spots that you kind of go to. David's quite aware of it. In fact, next Sunday, if you'll just swap all around and sit in a different spot, he won't be able to preach. He'll be going... Just a minute. Hello? Oh, that's not me. Somebody else out there. Now I can't get my phone back. And that'll teach you. That's not acting like you should. It's David calling. <laughs> yeah, it's probably David calling. Get back on subject. Those things that come natural. Don't have to be thought about. They just happen. You don't even think about when you come to church, you just know where you're going to sit. I don't have to tell you, time to breathe. You breathe. It's natural. If it comes from a response of the Spirit, it comes without force, without having to be thought about, without making a decision to it comes because it's the natural response of the Spirit. Then doing things that are spiritual can happen. Those come because who you are. Because you're, you're a child of God with the Spirit of God who's in control of your life. You naturally do what's right. Doesn't have to be forced or anything else. That's the best way. That's the best way. So, the Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. 
And once we recognize that, and once we respond to that, and once we accept him, we love him. Why do we love him? Because he first loved us and gave his life for us. He sacrificed his life for us. And we love him because he already demonstrated his love toward us. And we're just responding to that. See, God created us a desire to respond to love. He created that in us. In, in the Gospel of John, he says, Jesus is the light that lights every person coming into the world. There is that light of Christ in us, which is that thing that wants to respond to the love of Christ, to the love of God. So we are responding to what he's done. He loved us, so we turn out loving him. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 23 says, For this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. He who committed no sin, nor does, was deceit found in his mouth, who in his revile did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten. That's upside down. Because when most people are threatened, they'll respond. When most people are attacked, they'll respond. Not to respond. That's different. That's different. That's the example he's given us. Here's the example to follow. Don't treat people like they treat you. That's the opposite side, right? That's the upside down part. Treat people like they treat you. That's the, that's the world's view. God says, don't treat people like they treat you. Wow. That's amazing. It's also very difficult unless we have the Spirit of God who gives us the motivation and gives us the power and gives us the response that comes from Him. And that's hard because of all the distractions in our lives. It's easy to get distracted from who God is and what he's doing. Keeping and practicing the presence of God. Knowing that he's always there with us. Knowing that he is the source of our strength. The source of our power. Sometimes it gets easy to get distracted. I'm one of those guys, and I fully admit it, when I'm concentrating on something, I don't hear other stuff. I, I, I'm singular. If I happen to be watching the Trailblazers play, and Nice comes in and says, that's all I hear. I... Now, I'll hear about it later. Don't you remember me telling you? No. Probably when I was watching the Blazer game, I didn't hear it. I mean, you can talk all you want to. I don't hear. I, I'm, I'm just a simple man. can only concentrate on one thing at a time. 
Now, when I, I should have known because when I was dating Denise, the very first dinner we had at her house, she has, uh, there are six girls. Denise has five sisters. Six girls born within five years. How does that happen? Well, she's a twin. That's how that happened. So here's all these girls, all about the same age, and their mother, and myself, and their father. We're sitting at the dinner table, just got back from church. And they've got about five or six conversations going on. I'm just kind of trying to go, well, what's going on here? And these two will be talking, and these two will be talking, these two will be talking. And then this one will respond to what that one said to that person. How did that happen? You were talking with somebody across from you, and, you're, and you responded to the one down at the end of the table. I think she was wearing a red dress. No, it was a blue dress. Uh, and they're spaghetti. They're just going like this. I can't, I can't follow it. I said, overload, overload. <laughs> but you know what? We need to have a singular focus on Jesus Christ and keep him at the very source understanding that that's where everything comes from. Then doing these things that are upside down will come naturally to us. Don't have to be forced. Don't have to make it happen. Don't have to be good. We don't have to make ourselves good because he is good. Then Paul also writes in 2 Thessalonians 3.13. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. That's, when I first read that verse, I thought, well, that's kind of a strange thing. I'm tired of doing good. I'm just worn out doing good. <laughs> if you're doing good, how come you're... How could you get worn out doing it? Well, I'll tell you why. Because if you're living according to this, you're giving and giving and giving without response a lot of times. And as a human, you grow weary of that. And only by the power of God are you able to continue on. You become weary. It's like that guy goes to the psychiatrist, and he says, you know what? He says, I, I'm, I, I think I'm paranoid. I just think the whole world's against me. And the guy says, well, you know what? I got good news and bad news. Good news is you're not paranoid. The bad news is the world is all against you. And as Christians, that's true. The whole world's going in a different direction due to others. Before they do to you. You know? Total different direction. The whole world's against you. And you're going to be battling, doing spiritual things which people can't understand because they're not natural. They're not normal. Like being able to smile in times of trouble. Having joy in times of struggle. James says, count it all joy when various trials come your way. That's not natural. When I get a flat tire, I don't 
go out there changing it. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. <laughs> I, I mean, that's not my first response. <laughs> that's not natural. Somebody, you know, you, you smile in times of trouble, and I smile in times of trouble, they go, Poor guy, been drinking his bath water. Because <laughs> it's not natural. It's not natural to have joy in times of trouble. Here's what the scripture says. For the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the trial. Christ endured the cross. For the joy. Part of the fruit of the spirit is love Joy comes right after love. Joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. People can't understand it because it's not natural. When I was growing up in Los Angeles area back in the 1900s, <laughs> we had this little thing that we sat in the front room, had a big eye in it. And it had this little thing that you went up and you turned. And you got five different stations. On one of those stations was Sheriff John, kids program. And Sheriff John taught a song that he made up. And it's been in my mind ever since. Laugh and be happy. In fact, in fact here's what, here, well, I got a clip of it. Come on now, laugh and be happy, and the world will laugh with you. When people see you smiling, they can't help smiling too. That's Sheriff John. Let's do it one more time because we never get the first part of it. Come on now, laugh, laugh and be happy, and the world will laugh with you. When people see you smiling, they can't help smiling too. That's not always the case, but laugh and be happy. What sort of things are pure? What things are noble? What sort of things of good report? If there's anything praiseworthy, think on those things. In other words, we're not of this world. This world doesn't have to pull us down. We don't have to be brought into all the negatives in this world. We can soar above it into the presence of God and enjoy life, because God is greater than any trouble. Much rather go around with a smile on your face than the opposite. And, and who's, who's excited about, hey, come to our church, we frown a lot. <laughs> come to our church and hear the complaints of the world. He's lousy taxi and me. I can't remember that. People are not drawn to that. What they're drawn to is people have joy in spite of everything else. That's what they're drawn to. They go, what is it that you have? I want some of that. Back in the 60s, they, they call it being high on Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not natural 
to have joy in times of trouble. It's spiritual. That's what we hope for and that's what we pray for. Thanks for listening to that Acts Church sermon. We hope God spoke to you through it. We would like to invite you to join us in person on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. for our Sunday service. If you enjoyed this sermon, have questions for us, or simply want to connect with Axe Church more, find us on Facebook under Axe Church Northwest. Send us an email or message, or leave us a rating or recommendation. We appreciate all of you and hope to hear from you.